we back we back we back welcome back to so what page we um bear podcast three friends pick a book each season to read and talk about and discuss while adulting because that's what we do so shan casey and kiki you know what i'm saying we on this mic talking about this season's book okay single black female by tracy brown and guess what we got in contact with the author who is a bestseller okay this is not her first book and it won't be the last but this is what we're reading and she does have a new book that's out now called hold you down check it out get your copy and read along and this whole episode you get to learn about the actual author let's get into it these uh four women who had this bond and i really started out wanting to write like a uh urban sex in the city some kind of um glimpse into what it's like to be a successful sister in this day and age and then you know the pandemic happened and I saw all the Black Lives Matter situation playing out. And for the first time, it seemed like we were having real conversations about what it is to just be Black and exist in this country. Hey, y'all, quick note. I wanted to invite you to follow me on Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, it's like Goodreads or Instagram for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. I post it a lot of times on Instagram and on my Twitter. On Good Pods, we can follow each other to see what we're all listening to. And like other podcast players, you can search for the shows and play them right on the app and web for free. And you could talk to the people who are listening to podcasts and other podcasters. And that's the best part, in my opinion. Great way to grow your podcast. Good Pods is there with a comment section next to every episode. So there's no reason why people don't know what you're doing. I'm excited to hear your feedback and questions and what you liked about each episode. You can find me on Good Pods on the web or goodpods.com or you can just download the app on your Android or your iPhone. You can use the link in my show notes. My username is Shambi Podden. Follow me and I'll follow you back. Don't forget to check out Let's Shop B B I H. <laughs> okay. Shop for any merch for the podcast. We appreciate you guys supporting the podcast. We appreciate you listening. And you can check out the video footage of Casey, Kiki, and Shan. And our first author on the podcast, Tracy, on YouTube under Shannon Pods channel for youtube and i realized that it would be a little unrealistic to write a story about four black women um trying to find love in different ways without exploring how we all have to worry about our sons brothers uncles fathers when they step outside the door so yes that is true yeah and i think the pandemic at that time was like in your face about a lot of stuff and yeah. people were choosing themselves first instead of that job because they were seeing so much they were missing from not being at that job or exactly. being by that job. Right. 
yeah. precisely that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we all have, uh, my name is Shan, that's Casey, that's Kiki. So okay. we were once strangers and we ended up working at the same place. And was, so that's how we became friends. Oh, okay. And mm -hmm. so we felt That must like, have been a fun workplace, first of was. all. It was. <laughs> it was. I'm just sitting here trying to picture that. I'm wondering how much work got done down there, you know? <laughs> But I think it outside of the workplace. Now you got your own situation. And right. Dope. So we was like, we need to start reading more. And then we was <laughs> like, we should do like a book club and we'll pick a book and read it. So this is the 14th book. And oh, right. it was it was Kiki's pick. Thank you, Kiki. You're welcome. <laughs> and so we were like, we're gonna read this book. And so Every time we have a book, I go through like the research of the author for the first episode and then we get into the book. And so when I started researching, I was like, does she have an Instagram? Does she have this? <laughs> and so when I found out, I was like, well, let me reach out. There, you're the first person to ever agree to like even come on the show or talk about the book or anything. And we appreciate it because- I find that so surprising. You know why? Because even after 11 books in, mm -hmm. and I think I think this is this is where with any, with any uh, art, mm -hmm. when you get used to the, the audience, right? You can start to take them for granted. Mm -hmm. And I never oh. really get that comfortable. Like it's so important to me. The, the thing I miss, you know, I'm all for the digital age. Everybody's electronically downloading books nowadays. Mm -hmm. I miss the old days when we used to go pull up to a bookstore and readers mm -hmm. would come in and, you know, you could really converse and learn what they liked about the story, what they didn't like, right. what made sense, what made them cry. And I, I miss those days. So when I get the opportunity to talk to, especially groups of readers like this, where there's more than one of you at a time, mm -hmm. I just I live for it so I'm, I'm actually surprised that you haven't had more authors and we'll see if we could change that going forward yes. yeah. Definitely. yeah so we have um different questions to ask you and so we're gonna basically do like a whole you know tag team all right but um I'm, fine. I'm ready Casey, Casey, Casey put me on to all of your uh, previous episodes and videos that you've done. So we've been getting to know oh, you okay. without you being around. Okay. Uh, so we want to. Because like, my oh, thing was, I didn't want to ask you something you already said. That. Okay. I like that you did your homework, Casey. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. And then uh, I also found out that you were Gemini. Now, are you a May Gemini or a June Gemini? A June Gemini. What does that mean? <laughs> Oh, what I'm day? a June Gemini and Chantal's a June Gemini. Yes. Ah, what day? Dang. I'm June 8th. I'm yes. the 7th. I'm the 4th. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> what are you? I'm the 4th. The 4th, the 4th, the 7th, and the 8th. Ow, Gemini season over here. All right, so Kiki, what's your sign? I'm an Aquarius. All right, we mesh with you. My yes. Aquarius, yes. this is all good right here. <laughs> yes. Right. Uh -huh. Yes, I am a proud Gemini. In fact, when I first started out writing, um, mm -hmm. I wrote all my life, but um, my first introduction to an audience was through poetry. And my poetry stage name on the New York City poetry circuit was Gemini. Um, yeah. So, side note, not, it doesn't have anything to do with writing, but my own girl, she was a stripper. Her name was Gemini, because she's a Gemini. Yeah, <laughs> 
<laughs> it could mean whatever uh, you want it to be. You right. know? I right. love it. So because it's Kiki's uh pick, I want her to do her question first and then all right. Okay. So I want to know what kind of like headspace were you in when you wrote the book? Like, were you in a relationship? Were you healing from something? Um, any troubles in your friendships that you mm. were going through? Like, what were like what was going on in your life when you was writing the book? Very good question. All right, I like the way this is going already. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was really on. I am a single black female, so that let's start there, right? I really mm-hmm. wanted to write about my own experience dating at this age. I'm 48, um, in a, in a city like New York City. Mm-hmm. And I've pulled a lot from my female friends, whether they're married or, um, for instance, I have one friend in particular who is single and doesn't have children. And she always saw herself as married with children. Mm-hmm. And she and I were out to dinner one night having a conversation about, you know, the relationships we were in and the dead ends we were hitting. And um, she said that she, much like Coco, this is where this came from that she's Mm -hmm. only ever dated black men and she doesn't find any other ethnicity even attractive. She doesn't like the way they smell, the way they dress, the way they talk, (laughs) none of it. That sounds like my sister now. (laughs) And I just found that so intriguing for two reasons. Um, The first thing I did was challenge her. I said, well, what if God packages him in an Indian uniform or an Asian Mm -hmm. uniform, you know? Would Mm -hmm. you deny it just because of the, you know, the shell Mm -hmm. case? Mm-hmm. And she said, God wouldn't do that to her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the second thing I found interesting was I never or very rarely heard a Black man say, I don't find any other race of women attractive. So mm-hmm. it, I found it interesting that she had pledged allegiance to a group that hasn't pledged allegiance to us. Mm-hmm. you know and so I just you know I found that interesting and rather than judge her for it I just you know based the character off of that and I imagined her dating a guy like Ziggy so that's where like Coco's character came from mm-hmm. um, I identified most with Ivy's character so that's that's why I started the story off with Ivy not that I'm dating anyone incarcerated at this point in my life but the past <laughs> 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 let's just say I've been on some of those visits so I definitely drew from prior experiences yeah. but at this stage in my life I'm single my sons are grown mm-hmm. and they're like pit bulls you know they just mm-hmm. they watch every move and they block every every attempt and so I wanted to you know talk about what it would be like to, to and I also find it interesting that as I climb in tax bracket the mm-hmm. brothers in my tax bracket are first of all not many Mm-hmm. And they don't necessarily prefer my hue, mm-hmm. you know. So then the option is to date beneath my tax bracket. So that's where Ivy's relationship with James kind of comes from, and her mm-hmm. friends, um, you know, questioning, you mm-hmm. know, are you sure you want to date somebody who only makes this when you're making yeah. that? Um, right. Most of my stories, I tend to get intrigued by a topic, mm-hmm. and. So, um, with single black female, it was dating as a black woman in America. Period. Okay. 
And I just, you know, use these characters to explore those things. Nikki's character for me represented my daughter's generation. I was a teen mom. So my daughter's only 15 years younger than me. But that's a huge gap. Like her, she's a city girl, you know, and I'm from the Mary J. Blige generation. (laughs) (laughs) But the city girls are winning in their own way. So, you know, Mm -hmm. Nikki is unapologetically twerking on the red carpet, getting her coin, you know, influencing and and wheeling and dealing. And I wanted to I wanted to tap into that as well. So nice. Okay. The city girls are up. Yes, they are. City girls way up. Right. Yes, <laughs> I ain't mad at it. Yeah. Okay. But, but back, back to what you said with when women get a certain uh level of whether mm-hmm. it's professionalism or you know, this is my career, and they have to pick from like the few bunch of black men that they are. Yeah. And some men still have the mindset like. If I get this amount of money, I have to get this type of woman. Exactly. A lot of a lot of people on the outside look at women with power and and a means to do for herself as oh she thinks she's better than yes. um you know us or she thinks we're not good. At, it's not that, Definitely. but it's kind of like if I put in all this work for me to be a great woman for me, and right. I feel like I deserve a great man. Why do I have to go to the dollar store and look for something that's not broken? Right, right, so. right. It's, it's what I can say though. Yeah. What I can say though for men, mm-hmm. it's an intimidation factor, mm-hmm. and men want to be needed and not mm-hmm. wanted. And if you dating somebody that can do for themselves, it's like you don't need me. It's what you would but be for. I do need other things. Yeah. You know, right. I need to be held at night. I need my car fixed. I need, you know, somebody to help me carry these goods. You know, everything is not a financial need, but you're right, Casey. There's so many men that tie their financial worth to everything. Worth yeah. as a man. And those are two totally different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Casey, it's your go. We go treat you That's like my a, go. A, a Oreo in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> you know I like being in the middle. Okay. <laughs> so you kind of already talked on you kind of already touched on it with um this book in single flight female about how you did the character development. You based it on yourself and your friends, your daughter, people around you. Right. Do you do that with all your books? And if yes. if you don't how do you um, kind of write your book? Do you develop the situation first or you develop the character first and then go around that character with the situation or vice versa? It usually starts for me with a topic. So for instance, with White Lines, which is to date my favorite story of all the ones I've written. I was, um, it was 2004 and I, I knew a woman who was um, struggling with crack addiction. Mm-hmm. And I remember... Um, um, originally just being intrigued by her because she was such a pretty girl. And when she was on, when she was on the right track, she she just radiated. And then you would see her during her struggle. It was a whole nother story, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I just was intrigued by her. You know, every time I saw her, I just would, you know, go home thinking like, who's still smoking crack? <laughs> in, in 2000, you know, like this, the word is out. Like, you know? So I'll admit that it started from a place of, dare I say, judgment, 
you know? Mm-hmm. But then I really wanted to understand, like, why is she doing that? She's so pretty. Like, if, if she could just snap out of it, she could get her life on track. And so for me, it usually starts with a topic. So I started to want to write about her. And I did. I would go to her apartment and interview her at length about how she started on drugs, why it kept calling her back. And then I, I decided to go and tell um the drug game from the dealer's perspective and how a little boy who wanted to be a fireman winds up hugging the block, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's the drug game from those two different perspectives. So it usually starts with the topic and then I develop characters who are gonna represent what it is I wanna say. And I do everything, Casey, from I name them, I picture them, like in my mind, and I may not always convey it right because I try not to make up your mind for you. I don't mm-hmm. like faces on the cover because I want you to decide what they look like, you know, but I try mm-hmm. to lead you there. So with Ivy, when I was developing her, I wanted Jill Scott, you know, a voluptuous sister with curves and, you know, bad bitch energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I and I decide their birthday they, are they left-handed or right-handed? Mm-hmm. You know, what are they? What are they afraid of? What do they want out of life? And that kind of depth helps them become real to me, like imaginary friends. Mm-hmm. And from there, it's kind of easy. Then you get to play with them. Once you once you mold them and create them, then you put them in the situations that you know feel right for the story. And sometimes okay. it's easier than others. Mm-hmm. So for lack of a better term, the characters become like your paper dolls. Yes. Oh, I love paper dolls. As a <laughs> you just triggered a memory for me. I used to love them things. You would cut out little outfits all the time. Yes, that's exactly, exactly what they're like for me. Yes. Okay. Right. Okay. That Casey, don't sue me. Okay. <laughs> I want 10%. You got it. You got it. Okay. <laughs> so... My question is, how long did it take you to feel like you were ready to publish after you wrote your first book? Oh, that's a good question, too. Y'all good at this. Okay. <laughs> um, I wasn't, I didn't know I was ready. I never knew I was ready. Mm-hmm. You know, writing for me was something I did all through my life as a coping mechanism, you know, like I was, um, it was kind of like therapy for me. If I was mm-hmm. excited about something, I would go home and write an essay. Or if I was angry about something, I'd write a short story and I'd kill off the characters I didn't like, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> poetry, writing songs, that was like all, all through childhood. Yeah. And then um, someone challenged me to uh, get up on stage and do poetry. Um, and I did that. and. I did this poem called The Hair I Wear. Because at the time, brothers were giving sisters a hard time about wigs and weaves. And I was saying, cut it out. You know, so in the poem, I just, I went in and the sisters in the audience stood up and applauded. I got a standing ovation. And as I came off stage, this lady said, you can really write. Like, you should write a book. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things, like, you know how you know there are astronauts in the world, but we Mm -hmm. don't know any, I don't know any astronauts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. But I know somebody does that for a living. Writing was like that in my mind. Like I figured there are writers in the world, but I don't know any. Can you really write and make a living off of it? Mm -hmm. So I went home based off that woman's suggestion. God bless her, wherever she is. I I couldn't pick her out of a lineup today. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's it's, what that taught me is it's always good. If you feel like somebody's outfit is fly 
or you know they dance really well or they sing tell them yeah mm-hmm. plant that seed because you never you never know never where know. that can go mm-hmm. that lady mm-hmm. probably never knew that she she said that to me it literally sparked a, a flame in my mind I went home that night and began my first novel black Damn. I didn't know I had what it took because it's one thing when your friends hype you up and say yeah you're good it's another mm-hmm. thing when you get on stage and this particular audience likes you but I didn't know if I had what it took to write in this format you know mm-hmm. but I knew I had read the coldest winter ever and I felt I felt like I could do something like that mm-hmm. um and I had read Asha Bandel is one of my favorite writers she wrote The Prisoner's Wife and mm-hmm. that book just it felt like poetry, but it was a memoir. It was just, now I wanted to, to figure out what my literary voice was like. Mm-hmm. Um, and just on a whim, I started looking at like the back covers of books and seeing the address of the publishing company. Mm-hmm. And I sent it out to four different publishing companies and I got back three offers, one rejection. Mm. Yeah, what did that feel like? like? That was my question. Well, one of my questions. (laughs) Amazing. Like, you know, like the best validation in the world, you know, and just like it's, it was one of those moments at the time I was a single mom, I was living in the projects. I was working what would be considered a great corporate job. I was doing legal billing, Mm -hmm. you know, making a decent salary. Mm -hmm. I was I was doing all right, but you know, not as all right as I could have been. Yeah. But this was like a chance to not only move my, elevate my family, but also to do what I'd always loved to do and get paid to do it, you know? So that was just like one of those moments where you kind of pinch yourself. And then when the first copy came and I saw my name on the spine, I was just like, oh, hallelujah. And all that. Still feels like that. I worry that if it ever stops feeling like that, I know it's time to stop because every yeah. single time I get a new, like when I, when I finish it, it goes off to print and it comes in. You know, you get like an advanced copy, mm-hmm. and I still get that thrill of I can't believe I get to do this. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like that. I hope that never leaves me. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a desire to want to keep impressing you because if you like this. Then I'm like, I can't let them down with the next one. Right, I got right. you know, to do that same thing or come, you know, elevate a little bit higher. So this is one of the reasons why I really enjoy this type of feedback because it drives me to go harder. And that's why I feel like if more people at least made time for what they were really passionate about, I know we all have to work and pay bills, yeah. but I just feel like there will be less miserable people in the world. Oh my God, you're so right. you did that. You're so right. lucky because there would be days, even before I got paid to do it, there would be days where I was working that nine to five, going through a, a breakup with some buster, the kids go <laughs> off bed, you know, after they finish their homework. And I would just sit down and write in a diary. And mm-hmm. that release was like therapy. So the people who sing and they, they sing, you know, to themselves or the dancer who dances in their bedroom or the artist who paints and nobody buys the painting. I get it because yeah. it's the release. It's the, and then, then when you get to release and others appreciate it, it's just like, you know, the angels are singing above. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Keith, you're done. So have, have your children read the book? And if so, like, what is their perspective on it? <laughs> My children 
<laughs> they they love the fact that I write, but for my sons, it's often difficult when they get to the sex scenes. Mm. Okay, and that's what I was trying to get into. <laughs> Let's get into it. <laughs> they struggle not when I started writing books. My children were um, in middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So when yes. Criminal Minded, I think Criminal Minded was my third novel came out. The first mm-hmm. two were kind of tame in comparison, you know. Mm-hmm. Criminal Minded, I had, you know, cocaine kilos being moved up and down I-95 and mm-hmm. shootouts and lots of sex and and then taboo sex at that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and my son, I remember my son came to me, he was like, Mom. <laughs> about you know all it is mm-hmm. like, it's just fiction I'm just having fun so there are books they read and books that they don't um mm-hmm. single black female I believe they all read and they they we had some dialogue about that my latest novel hold you down all mm-hmm. of them have read because I dared the boys to read it because I told them they would make them cry and they didn't oh. mm-hmm. I won yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They pick and choose. My daughter reads all of them. In oh. fact, she reads them usually while I'm writing them, and then mm-hmm. they come out. You know. Okay. Her. Okay. She's nice. my ride or die. Sweet. Well, you should have asked them. Um, how do y'all think y'all got here? I know all about it. Exactly. I know all about it. Hello. But I tell you, <laughs> nobody wants to think of a mama like that. Right. My father, right. My father, rest in peace, was the same way. He read my first novel and he said, "Baby girl, I can see that you can write." He said, "But I will never read another one." <laughs> He was like, congratulations, you're on your way. And I'll just collect them all and stack them on the shelf. Because he ain't reading it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good question, too. The hard part really is carving out the time because writing is something that you can do while you're sitting in the house with everyone. And they think Mm -hmm. that means you're available and, and free. But I'm really in a zone. Like I could be sitting here and I'm physically here, but mentally in the story. So mm-hmm. it's often mm-hmm. hard for them to understand that, you know, I'm I can't talk to you right now. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have moments where um you start and then you say, Oh, well, I want to do that, or just take that part out, or or let's not, you know, put that in there and add this and like, you know, edit things that you wrote already? Absolutely. I'll change the ending of trillion times before I decide on what like with single black female I really struggled with the ending you know mm-hmm. originally I'll be honest I wrote it has everybody finished it we haven't read it yet, not we're, yet. we're not peeking all right all right good thing I asked I was about to be- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I, there's, there's a there's a black lives matter kind of police encounter in the story with uh, one of the characters son because the story really is about these women but it you can't really talk about women without talking about their children and their brothers and their ex-husbands and all of those things mm-hmm. so one of the sons is 16 years old he's tall as kobe bryant you know he's got the colin kaepernick afro but they're affluent enough to live on the white side of town you know mm-hmm. And, but so there's a neighbor who decides that he must not belong here. You know, this one of these things doesn't go here. And there's an encounter. And I had written that encounter in a very dark way. I had the outcome. Mm-hmm. I think it would have really triggered Black readers 
at a time where we were dealing with Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, George mm -hmm. Floyd, et cetera. I just felt like we didn't need that in our entertainment as well. Mm -hmm. okay. So okay. I rewrote the ending in a different way. And I'm glad that I did because it left room for hope. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So I changed my mind a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, but you know, like Gemini, it's hard for us to stick to one thing. Exactly. And the worst thing because our minds be all over the place. Right. It's just like, I want to put everything on here, but I can't. Right. And I know right. I can't. Exactly. The, the worst thing sometimes you could give us is more time. Yes. We'll never make a decision. Oh my goodness. But and I'm so grateful for my editor. Shout out to Monique Patterson. Yeah. We've been working together. Out of the 12 books I've written, she's been my editor for 10 of them. Mm -hmm. And Monique keeps me, she's like, girl, I need that book by February 1st or mm -hmm. <laughs> out next year, you know? Yeah. And I need that. We, we Geminis need that kind of deadline. And also the, the, the honest feedback, the un, mm -hmm. unfiltered, you know, girl, I love it. But around chapter three, it gets a little slow. Mm -hmm. You know, I need to understand why he's doing this. What's the reasoning behind that? And, and when you get a team like that, it's, it's just gold. You know, you have mm -hmm. to trust someone else process yeah. i think as a creator that was one of my questions that you were no but it's good like if some people say they don't want honest feedback and i think for the, the three of us it makes us better friends yeah. because mm -hmm. we, we could be in the group chat with this going on mm -hmm. and casey might give me a point of view that i wasn't thinking about or kiki might or so if you know kiki got a question on like where if, if somebody falling we're not gonna let you hit the flow exactly right. and right. It's, it's through honesty it's not because i want to see you feel bad but i don't right. want you to make a decision that mm -hmm. you know is not going to help you in the long run these two right here when mm -hmm. i talk about like pushing yourself and leveling up like yes. they, they got their houses last year in the nick of yes. time yes. and <laughs> I am so happy for them because yeah. <laughs> like life is going life and you get in a position where you just feel stuck. But if we keep encouraging each other, it keeps up the momentum. True. So, it, But it, you also have to be open to it. And that's what I applaud in you guys also, because some people take that as, you know, as criticism, as mm -hmm. an attack. Mm -hmm. And it's not, if, if it's coming from a loving place. I don't appreciate criticism in the in the vein of, oh, I don't read hood books, so keep that away from me. If you haven't given it a chance, then you, you can't say that you don't like it. Right. But right. if you read it and you have some feedback, oh, I'm open to that all day. Tell me right. what you think, what you like, what you didn't like, because iron sharpens iron, and that's going to make me a stronger writer in the long run. Period. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And I say it all the time. I feel like people say they want honesty, but they really don't. They want somebody to lie to them all day long. Exactly. And right. tell them that they, that they this and that, and it's not the truth. It's so true. Right. And I don't want to call anyone's name out, because I do hope to work with everyone successful in Black in Hollywood. Yes. But there are some 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 people who get popular off of a formula and then they mm -hmm. just stick to it without without allowing other people to 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 really they they're not open to the feedback you know mm -hmm. they write they direct they produce the whole thing themselves mm -hmm. you know? and there's something to be said for having other 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 voices in the room to say no let's let's use some good wigs this time you right. know right Right. I knew you was talking about before you were talking about the wig. Listen. 
Because <laughs> they're great, but right right right, right. Use a little right. Here and there. yeah right, right. <laughs> casey what you got so it's fine <laughs> i got a few actually do, 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 do. so in the interview that you did on um was it the 26er yes mm-hmm. on youtube you said that you went to college but you didn't finish correct with the success that you have right now, do you still have that urge to ever be like, you know what, I'm gonna just go back and finish just instead I finish? Yeah, you know, sometimes I think about it because mm-hmm. I was a great student and I really loved to learn and I was really, I really loved college. Had the circumstances been different, I certainly mm-hmm. would have gotten my degree. Um, but years ago, I sat with my publisher and I asked, you know, because there are certain, in every field, there are snobs, you know? So we get the book snobs, particularly black book snobs, you know, who be like, oh, you write urban fiction, you know? And then if you, as, then if you don't have a degree on top of it, they're like, oh, and you, you don't have a degree in literature and, you know, all of that. So there are times where I have said, you know, maybe I want to go back to school and get a degree. My publisher said to me, why? She was like, you're going to get the degree, but you're doing what people go to school to get the degree to do. Right. Right. So she said, if you get it, it would just be for bragging rights so that in certain circles, you could say, yeah, I have one. But really, all you have to say is published and it shuts the whole conversation. Um, maybe one day, you know, if I do, it would be, um, to get a degree in something I really, really am passionate about, like not necessarily English, English lit, but like history, you know, I really fascinated by history and, um, maybe when my grand divas go back, go to college, I may tag along with them. Mm. (laughs) They get a kick out of that. (laughs) So. My question for you is, um, in your opinion, why do you feel like school books for like teenagers aren't changing? And if they did change from like the Shakespeare, the Beowulf and the Scarlet Leather, those born books. Right. um, I like the Beowulf, actually. It was dry, dry. I like like stuff like that. So, Um, So for you, like what authors if they took books and uh, authors now, do you think would help the generation of today? As Ooh, far that, as that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I definitely believe this, um, that when you get a platform like writers have, especially in, this, any, in any age, mm-hmm. I think we have a responsibility to depict what's going on in our time. So a yep. hundred years from now, if somebody picks up a Tracy Brown novel, I hope they are able to, I hope that I've done a good job of showing what it was like in the black experience in the eighties, in the nineties, in modern times. Mm-hmm. Um, Tupac said that um, this is his report, that he's, he's, a, he's a journalist, he's a hip hop journalist and his lyrics were his report. And I really feel the same about the books that I write. So um I think if you look at it through that lens, there are so many Black authors nowadays who should be required reading for these kids, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, 
particularly as it relates to the history of the civil rights movement. Like, I feel mm. like this generation is so far removed from the struggles of what our parents and grandparents had to go through that they take it for granted. They throw the N word around, you know, they're all about flexing and flossing and wearing these designer labels. They're not, they fake woke, you know, just don't, they don't have knowledge of self. And some of the books that I've read, like James Baldwin, for instance, could replace Shakespeare, in my opinion, easily, Mm -hmm. you know, and much more relevant to what, what's happening right now he, he's the spook who sat by the door you know mm-hmm. how black men were seen and are still seen in large part um yeah. i think um the coldest winter ever did a great job of depict- we read that we read yes, that one we did <laughs> yes. for me that book was the first time i was an avid reader growing up and just like casey i read i love the Count of Monte Cristo, you know, Shakespeare, a lot of the classics, I ate them up. Mm -hmm. I would read anything as long as it was interesting and caught my attention. Tolstoy, you know, all kinds of stuff. But then when I read The Coldest Winter Ever, it was the first time I read a book that felt like I know these people. I know Mm -hmm. Lisa, I know her father, (laughs) her mother, the sisters, the neighbors. Like Mm -hmm. I I felt seen, Mm -hmm. you know? And Mm -hmm. I think there's a power in that. You know, and I think mm. a lot of white kids and even Asian kids can see themselves in the literature that is uh, assigned in schools. And it, it's a struggle for, for black kids to, to see. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm. I, there's a there's a and I, I think um, as long as it's age appropriate, you know, yeah. I read something um, or maybe it was on Instagram. I think somebody was saying that they they were appalled by the content of certain books in their child's high school. And at first, when you listen to the content of it, it was like, you know, incest, rape, um, all these things. And I realized they were talking about Sapphire's push. Mm. And I read that in high school. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, and it, and it wasn't sh- such a shock to my system. It depends on the demographic, right. where they're right. from. I don't think they should read it independently necessarily. It should be guided as a class discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes, parents will <laughs> me and ask me can their kids read it and I say it really depends on your child how well versed are they in life mm-hmm. and this might be something you want to read with them and talk about it together and mm-hmm. also it's like what's in those books is not like it was never happening it's right. it has happened for generations and generations and Shakespeare mm-hmm. too now it's kind of like the, yeah we just want to talk about it because we want to prevent it not we want to talk about it to tell them to do it and exactly. I'm, I'm a parent Kiki's a parent okay. and I'm like pro like straightforward direct the truth yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and so my thing is like I don't want my daughter's in the middle of a conversation of someone plotting on them and them not knowing the language. Exactly. Right. And, and, right. And, and so when I have books that might be cool for, you know, my nine-year-old to read, she's always been reading. She'll read my novels. She'll, she can read your book. I love it. And, <laughs> you know, like even like body-wise, like I talk about, you know, my body. I talk about the fact that, all right, you, you pass eight. Okay. Yes. 
Now yes. you go, you're going to keep this in your backpack. This is in what's case. coming. Exactly. Yes. So many people don't want to talk about that with their kids. Yeah, that conversation. Them, what are you helping? What are you Not helping? Not talking about it doesn't make it go away. Right. 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 So, and I think there's such power. Your daughter's going to trust you because mm-hmm. you made it easy to speak freely about topics that are so taboo, I'm sure, to many of her friends with their parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Chantal oh. is an excellent girl, mom, I must say. Well, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I love thank it. You. you know, I say it all the time, boo. They be, they, they, they be checking me. They always be checking me. But, that's um, good. Yeah. It's good. It's good. Mine checked me too. And I, I'm like, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say um, when people assume that writers are very like to themselves and just dry or just vague and I'm, I'm just like would you call yourself an introvert only or an extrovert because I feel like I'm both mm-hmm. okay we're Gemini's yes right so Kendrick Lamar another Gemini said it best I'm an anti-social extrovert mm. oh so I'm extroverted. If you see me out and look, I am having a great time, mm-hmm. but I'd rather you not come over here and talk to me. Like, just let me, <laughs> let me have my fun. Like, I really do enjoy my alone time. I like to people watch. Like, I'm the type that will be in a crowd, mm-hmm. in a crowded place, but by myself. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my favorite, favorite energy. Like being in a park setting where there's a lot of stuff going on, people selling hot dogs, kids playing, people date couples having dates, girlfriends having conversations, and just me. Mm-hmm. You know? So question, when you do that, because I do this, when you okay. people watch, do you come up with your own stories for them in your head? Like her name is Sherelle and she just broke up with her boyfriend. So she's talking <laughs> to her homegirl about how he just did this and that the other night. Yeah. And how she let him have it over the phone and through text and how she sent screenshots from Instagram, Twitter, and all the other different little stuff like that. Yes. Guilty as charged. <laughs> I also that couple's not really into each other. Like they got another five years. Like he's not mm-hmm. even listening to her. Mm-hmm. She's talking into him. He's looking over there, you know. So yeah. it, that kind of it helps me develop. Um, so I think sometimes when you're reading, it's important to make the scene realistic. Especially, mm-hmm. I think women have a hard time writing dialogue that men would actually say, right? So mm-hmm. when I see when I read a a, a a romance written by a woman, for instance, it's usually like the man says something like, um, the smell of you drives, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and most dudes don't talk like that. You know, it's, <laughs> it's what we wish he would say, but what yeah. he's really going to say is you smell good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. That's it. That's right. it. Simpler than that. Right. So a lot of that comes from me being in these crowded places and just watching how other people interact. I'm the girl who be at the bar by herself with my laptop or a notebook, just mm-hmm. observing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just surveying the scene, having a great time. Mm. I like that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I'm like that too. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we're we're not like, you know, what you doing this week and we out, we out and about. We will plan uh, a brunch in mm-hmm. advance. 
And it's just yeah. like a few of us that get together and then we mm-hmm. out and we got things to do. We're not trying to lounge around each other's house all day, right. you know? Hello. And I think that is the truest friendship. Like you can, I cannot see you for weeks and we can pick up where we left off. Right. Today, yeah. people have this illusion of what friendship is supposed to look like because of reality mm-hmm. TV. Exactly. When, don't none of these women like each other. Right. They wouldn't be getting together right. and going on all these trips together either if it wasn't a check and production wasn't paying for it. So Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it makes for good TV, though. So. It does. And I tune in faithfully. <laughs> yeah. Y'all watch I- Potomac. Did you see the latest episode? Yes. I didn't. I haven't seen it yet. Candace wouldn't be hanging out with Ashley if they weren't getting paid. That's all. They sure wouldn't. They sure wouldn't. Karen wouldn't be around none of them. Exactly. (laughs) I love it. I'm about to be the fourth podcaster. (laughs) But you know, like, this this is what the podcast is. So when we do the podcast, we'll do like, just like it sounds like you listening to a phone call with us coming in and yeah. we'll, we'll decompress from our adulting right okay. and then we'll jump into the book just a little bit to review it but we're not like reading it verbatim because we want everybody that's reading along to have their own experience but we'll exactly. review it and then we'll mm-hmm. get back into like what are our concerns yeah and, mm-hmm. then, and then that's it it's like a real let's get together mm-hmm. for this book Let's talk about what I'm talking about and go back to our lives. And that's it. I love it. Yeah. What you got, Kiki? Um, How, what do you think draws people in to reading your books? Because when I chose this book, I Googled like juicy books. Like I typed that. (laughs) (laughs) I typed it in the Google search and, you know, of course a whole bunch of books came up, right? Um, but when I read the back of it, that's kind of what like drew me in. So before people even see the author or they see the title and they read the back of the book, like what do you think makes people say, um, I want to read this book? Um, I hope it's that the, the plot line, the character description makes them see themselves or see a reflection of something mm-hmm. they are dealing with in their own lives you know I so definitely so did on the I back did. of this book it, it kind of talks about each of the women and what they're going through and then mm-hmm. it alludes to something happening that kind of sets you know things in motion mm-hmm. and um, that's what I look for. It's either a intriguing mystery or suspense or something that makes me want to know more. Or it's mm-hmm. something that I say, oh, okay, well, that sounds like something, you know, I could really sink my teeth into. So mm-hmm. I hope that's what they see is like kind of a reflection of, of our times. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. I know I, I could relate to maybe three of the characters except the married one, but I do hope to be married one day. So I probably could relate to her too. Yeah. <laughs> Claim it. <laughs> yeah you got casey what you got so when kiki picked this book and it was single flag black female i was like oh i saw a movie on lifetime called single black female yes. <laughs> so i was like is this the author for the book and then i was like i saw the movie and i was like wait so this is just a black version of a single white female exactly, exactly. so with your <laughs> books what how do you make sure that yours are original to Tracy and how they give Tracy Brown energy versus 
Oh, this sounds like yes. a Jerome Dickey book. This sounds like right. an Elaine Harris book. Like this sounds like somebody else. Right. It's very um difficult to set yourself apart. So I love that question. Um one thing I'm intentional about is I don't read other authors in my similar um genre. Mm -hmm. So, and I do that, especially while I'm writing. Lately, I'm writing constantly. I used to write maybe one book a year. Lately, it's two. And so I have far less um, time to read. And so when I do, usually not um, Quine or, you know, uh, Ashley Antoinette, who are great, I mean, fantastic writers, but I just don't want to mimic their style. Mm -hmm. I caught myself doing that one time with Criminal Minded. I was such a fan of Shannon Holmes. He wrote uh, Be More Careful and Bad Girls, and he was just one of my favorite writers. He would write the, the slang out phonetically, mm. you know? And I thought that was genius. Like, why am I expecting them to know how to say Shaolin? I could spell it in the way that I want them, you know? So I mm -hmm. caught myself doing that and I didn't, it didn't feel authentic to me, mm -hmm. you know? And so I'm, I tried not to uh, pick up the elements of other writers in, in my field. You know, if I happen to read um, some poetry and the rhythm of the prose influences my writing, fiction then I don't necessarily mind that you know mm -hmm. um but I don't want to mimic anyone else verbatim and I mm -hmm. do want to stand apart I think especially in in black books nowadays and a lot of it I have to blame on the publisher it's just like bad boy in the 90s they saw that Puffy could take an old song and remix it and throw a girl on the hook and a wrap-up hit you know mm -hmm. and that's all they wanted them to do so once mm -hmm. they, once the publisher saw that if you got a, a a bad bitch and a gangster, plus some drama, some sex, gunplay, a hit. Mm -hmm. So that's what they started expecting us to do all the time. And I'm with Gemini's, I have to keep saying, I can't be cookie cutter. I have to challenge myself. I want right. to write something else. Mm -hmm. You know, while everybody else is writing about the hustle, what about the crackhead in the corner? Let's talk about mm -hmm. that person. Let's talk about the old drunk who, you know, can't get off the, the, the street corner. That mm -hmm. Those elements, you know, what about the kids? You know, what mm -hmm. about the mother who's worried about her son out there? Like there's other angles to come at um, mm -hmm. in that same community. You know, mm, right. The ways I try to challenge myself. So, like a little, a little uh, glimpse into what I'm working on now. I had an idea of what if a hood chick's body showed up and the police had to figure out who killed him. Right. Mm. Nobody's really done that in in this genre. Or want to do it in real life. <laughs> right. 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 You know yeah. exactly. So yeah. I like that was I one of my questions. Yeah, mm -hmm. that was one of my questions. But do you ever feel like the publishers be trying to push like certain narratives on on you and or or just us on um, you writing something that would only cater to our yeah, group yeah. of people? 
I think it has more to do from a monetary standpoint. This is what works. This is the formula that sold a million books for Superhead. So we want Superhead Junior. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. this is what sold a million books for Terry McMillan. So we're looking for Terry McMillan Junior. And it's just mm-hmm. it's laziness, you know. Yeah. But when you come with a new idea with a formula that hasn't been tried out yet, all mm-hmm. they see is potential loss. Mm-hmm. Right, and to right. their point to their point it hasn't always worked for me with boss i really boss was i think my eighth novel eighth or ninth mm-hmm. and i wanted to instead of writing about a drug dealer a girl i wanted to write about a woman who's running a magazine she's editor-in-chief at this black magazine and mm-hmm. her boss is a black man you know like a, like a bob johnson kind of billionaire mm-hmm. and their families were were connected in some some twisted way. So the guns and the drugs and the violence are there, but it's kind of a backstory to the the front story was this you know corporate climate, and it was my one of my least sellers mm. because people are like drama. People exactly, are just like- exactly. You know what? You know what the feedback I got, which again, it's important to listen to your readers mm-hmm. because my readers said. I can't identify with no chick walking around in Louboutin seven days a week. <laughs> I, I'm not living on Fifth Avenue. They couldn't, they couldn't see themselves in her. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if they had stuck it out, they'd have seen that eventually I take you back to her college days. She starts out in the hood. I'm, I'm giving right. you, but on the surface, it just didn't sound like it would appeal to them and it just didn't sell well. And now that's interesting because you can't relate to her in a book, but you relate to somebody like that when you watch Love and Hip Hop, watch The Housewives, watch Mm -hmm. all these different reality shows, and even a lot of these scripted shows where these women are attorneys, doctors, and stuff like that, and you still Keisha working at TJ Maxx. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so it's interesting. I just... You know, so I try to find that middle ground where I can can keep the same audience, but... Mm -hmm kind of trick them into something else that they weren't expecting you know so mm-hmm. with single black female I think I did that it starts out you're reading about these four women and their sisterhood their friendship their arguments their fights mm-hmm. and then some shit happens and it's like whoa all mm-hmm. of that is like irrelevant now that this has taken place you know mm-hmm. and so in in a way it kind of takes you on this roller coaster that I think readers didn't expect mm-hmm. So with the fact that you want to focus on the character and it being different by what's the expected, because I think even if you go to uh, film, they're trying to keep repeating the same already given movie or show. Is that why you wanted to get into playwriting and uh, getting it to film? Yes. Because I think there's room for, for many different voices, you know? There's room for Tyler Perry, room for Ava DuVernay, room for Spike Lee, all with different points of view. Mm-hmm. I've yet to see, which I'm hoping that space is being held open for me, yeah. you know, um, our stories really told to a wide audience because I think that if you give it the shot, it's not a black story, it's a family story, it's a community story, it's a story about life and love and, and struggle and triumph and all of those things. So um yeah, yeah. <laughs> hmm. Do you think your sister challenging you with all of those books when she was away at college 
does she feel or did you have a discussion now that you're you know a woman you got your own family and your career like thank you for challenging me with those books because it just strengthened my love for reading or gave me more windows for how I can write did you guys ever have like a conversation about that Absolutely. I've thanked her, you know, and I, I, every opportunity I get when someone Mm -hmm. asks me my origin story, it's impossible to talk about how I became Tracy Brown, the writer Mm -hmm. without first speaking about how my sister instilled in me, (coughs) it just became a passion and a love for reading. And at the time, this is why I'm so in awe of God, because sometimes you don't realize the seeds that are being sown and the the steps that are being taken towards a a greater picture. Mm -hmm. So at the time I just felt like, okay, I'm, it was the eighties. My mother wasn't letting me go outside to play because there was so much going on outside with gunfire and crack and everything. And I'm stuck in the house. My sister sent me this box of books to read. It felt like I was the only one on the planet doing that. Everybody else outside pop locking and break dancing <laughs> and having a good old time. They listen to Run DMC. I'm in the house right. with the radio and a book, you know, but it really did. Um, it, it planted an amazing seed, you know, and it, it allowed me to become what I think is really important as a good writer is to be an avid reader. So I know what I like. I know what I want to, what, what draws me in, you know, and right. none of that would be possible if it weren't for my oldest sister. Like I remember being three or four years old. She started with the word at, A-T, and she would just put a B in front of it and say, now, what does that spell? And send me over to the corner. I come back, you know, back. And then she'd take the B away and put a C, you know, little things like that from four mm-hmm. years old to, to mm-hmm. sit in with me and just you know, challenging me about how to tell time. Like, it's so important with children. You just never know what you, and, and anyone, like I said about the lady when I came off stage and she said, you should write a book. The seeds you sow in people's lives can just really take bloom, you know? Mm-hmm. God has shown me that over and over and over again throughout my life. Love that. Me too. I love that. That reminds me of my sister because my sister was the same. My sister's 14 or 15 years older than me. Mine's 12 years older. Yes. So when I grew up knowing her, I we went to high school graduation. And after that, she was gone. She was in college. Yeah, same. And then when she came home from college, she would just pick me and my twin brother up and she'll take us out. She'll take us to all these different things to experience all these different it's stuff funny. like I had sushi for the first time with my sister. Yeah. I did all these different things with my big sister. So it was kind of like, you know, that kid, people remember that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then it right. brings them up to being a more well-versed adult. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I bet you pay it forward the same way. Like I bet you recognize the children in your vicinity the same way that someone she recognized you, you know? Exactly. In the moment, I realized that, you know, I'm six and she's 18. She don't have to come hang out with me. Mm-hmm. You know, she took the time mm-hmm. out to come do that. And it made me feel special even as a kid. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know what's so crazy about what your sister did and how you was inside with books? Yeah. These kids now are reading like on a fourth grade level and average. And even with all the texting and yeah. the the stuff that they do back and forth, they can't spell. Because the- you start to type the word, it's, it types it out. Yeah, it types it for you, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we have like this generation that's just like, ooh, books. 
or, um, you know, they don't know how to talk to people. And Mm -hmm. it's scary because it's kind of like, well, we know they having babies, like whatever, who's reading to those babies and like, where are they going to be? And technology is basically outworking us. And so babies on iPhones and tablets. Right. And so for me, I made the girls like, you can only have your iPad on Saturday and Sunday, you know, Mm -hmm. because I I want you to search in a book. I want you to use a dictionary. I want you, like even my nine-year-old, she'll put captions on the TV so she can learn more words. (laughs) So I'm just like, we have to I did not know Aya does that. She's 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 a true nerd, okay? That is hilarious. And, um... (laughs) I, I knew Aya was in there when she liked uh what I when she liked video games like me. So yeah, <laughs> she was in the corner this this morning on the game. She's like, I'm on my game. <laughs> the bus is not here yet, but I mm-hmm. want them to be in the kid's mind as long yes. as I can. But with technology now, it's so hard. It's trying and, to speed up the process. Yeah, yeah, and the way yeah. our our parents work is kind of like, well, just give them the iPad, give them this, so they're not bored. Mm-hmm. It's like your house should be like. A home you want to discover things in. Absolutely. Right. Not, not right. give me my iPad so I can sit on the couch and exactly. not enjoy my home. And so writing and just creating period is what people need to be comfortable in. And Absolutely. I'm glad you found that and mm-hmm. still figured out a way to be a mom and still figured out a way to be you and still figured out a way, okay, I'm gonna still pay these bills too, but I'm gonna yes. fuel my passion. And a lot of people forget that in the mix. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. one of the things I'm really grateful for because um, I think it's easy for us to get lost in the role of wife, mother, whatever that is, uncle, you know, brother, mm-hmm. son, and lose what drives you. Mm-hmm. like what is it that you like to do mm-hmm. you know what what do you enjoy for yourself and mm-hmm. and it, it could be something as as we talked about as simple as singing dancing writing sewing you know whatever that coloring whatever that thing is that you do that brings you peace you need that because we pour so much and that's the theme of single black female is mm-hmm. that we pour so much of ourselves into others mm-hmm. and you know, you can almost forget to fill up your own cup. Yeah. And and if right. we don't do it for ourselves, sometimes you need your sister girls, your 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 circle of friends to do that for you. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I struggle with that so much. Yeah. Um, still to this day. Be like, well, uh, I, Kiki, you I, want me to take over? <laughs> we already told you. You got babysitters over here. Drew would take but over. Kobe. He but Kobe. Kobe even the problem though i i think it's just like kobe is asleep right now he, he, he went to bed at 7 30 mm-hmm. um and i just have no idea what to do with my life after we get off this you know this uh, zoom so i don't think it's him i'm just trying to find like a healthy balance with working you know i have two jobs mm-hmm. mommy no correct that you have a job and you have a business bam there it is um mommy trying to take care of myself jam you know eat right entertain social life date you know get back to me pre mommy pre-covid and then all that stuff um still grieving from that so it's a lot yeah it's a lot it is a lot but it's very important even if it's like you said after this call is over and the baby's asleep 
Mm -hmm. you know, what is, what is the, the thing that you can do for yourself to remind yourself of who you were before you became a mom, before you had the business and the nine to five, you know? Mm -hmm. And for me, that was escaping into a corner in a dimly lit room, especially on a rainy night and, mm -hmm. and, and literally a marble notebook and a pen. One of the, one of the uh, exercises they taught me in college was to do this thing called free writing. And then I saw something that said, uh, with the flow of a pen, the thoughts, the thoughts, flow for so mm -hmm. she would she would have us put a timer on for like two minutes and for that two minutes you couldn't lift that pen off the paper even if you're writing this is dumb I don't got nothing to say <laughs> I don't have anything to write eventually mm -hmm. that turns into what am I going to make for dinner tomorrow why am I always thinking about what I'm going to make for dinner tomorrow I have a million things on my mind and that's mm -hmm. when it starts to come forward by the end of that mm -hmm. two minutes you got something to work with you know, right, right. even a few moments of meditation, start with three minutes, then increase to seven, then 11, just silence with yourself, like to give mm -hmm. yourself literally, if you're anything like me, because your life sounds a lot like mine, the, the, you know, as at the time that I started writing the books, I was mm -hmm. a single mother of the children, I was working a nine to five, I was writing at night, you know, so 95 to 98% of my day was being in service to other people, mm -hmm. working for the boss, trying mm -hmm. to dot all the I's and cross all the T's, being a mom. Yeah. Yeah. So literally, if you could sit in meditation for three minutes, sometimes that's the only three minutes of the day you get to yourself. Ugh, I need more than three minutes, girl. I need. <laughs> but it's like I, I just have so much on my mind at yeah. one time. And Casey has always said, you know, wrong wasn't built in a day. So you have to do this and then and then just take it one thing at a time. But I was like, okay, it, it, it all has to get done today. Whoa. And then I'm driving myself crazy, you know lost my edges and everything because I'm like stressing myself out yeah. and, and it, it is it is just really extra and it don't take all that you know what I mean yeah and it only you know what's crazy as you start to achieve your goals it doesn't get easier mm -hmm. that plate gets fuller that you know the, the 24 hours gets gets more consumed I you know? know and so you have to really be intentional mm -hmm. about taking the time for self and carve mm -hmm. out the time to remind Kiki of who you are and what you enjoy and just mm -hmm. spend some time alone in your own space, in your own thoughts. Like I said, even if it's just for that three minutes a day. So I, I really thought it was going to get easier once the kids got grown, but uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no <More> problems. <laughs> <laughs> no, because then the thing, somebody said be careful what you pray for because I prayed that I would be you know let my career take flight let me get calls from all these celebrities and let let me let me write for tv and then when it starts to happen and people want it now are you going to mm -hmm. rise to the occasion or are you going to say oh my god I'm so overwhelmed you know mm -hmm. so right, right. really now is the time where you know you're being prepared for that bigger stage so listen mm -hmm. to case Rolling. <laughs> Love it. What you got, Casey? Shit, I don't forget because we just having a conversation now. So it's like right, funny right. questions. A whole therapy session. <laughs> um, okay, I got one. So 
with writing, how do you know when your writing expectations are realistic? I never know. Mm. I never know, you know? Um, and the good part about it is that the team around me, my agent, my publisher, they never make me feel like I can't do anything. Like if I come to them and I say tomorrow, I want to write about gangster aliens who come down from Mars and they take over all the, you know, they'll be like, you can do it. Everybody yeah. <laughs> can do it. Listen. You can do it. And let me tell you, let me say this. We we read what well, we tried to read, Lovecraft Country, the book. Eh, nothing okay. like the show. The show okay. was excellent, right? Excellent. And we all mad about it, right? Right. But the book was so dry and from a whole different perspective. Okay. We just like we I was lost. We can't get through this. <laughs> I was you lost so, in the book. I, just, me, I was so I, upset because I love the show. Mm-hmm. And then I'm reading the book and it just made me mad because I'm like, yes. damn, I'm thinking, I'm thinking back to the time when my grandparents were alive right. and right. they were growing up. And they were going through all that different stuff yes. in the South. And I'm just kind of like, why are we reading? Mm-hmm. Right. And see, I didn't I didn't see the show. So I'm really trying to go off of my imagination with the book. And I was just so lost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Treat yourself to the show. Yeah. The show, the show was like the perfect bridge of history, brightness, and Sci-fi. Just coming together in sci-fi, and yeah. so many writers and uh, just producers try to push black people out of sci-fi. Like, yes, mm-hmm. yes. no, exactly. <laughs> so it, was, it was so good, and so I'm just like, yeah. man, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, can you talk about your new book? I wanted to give you space to talk about your new book. Even though we're not reading that one for this season, okay. I wanted to I got talk it right about here. I came ready. Yeah. Okay. Yes, <laughs> this one is the perfect follow-up to Single Black Female. So while okay. I was writing Single Black Female, um, I start. I did a bunch of like book club um, zooms, and I found that it was mostly women. You know, groups of women, and they all found. Um, they had similar sisterhoods, whether it was like an actual sister or it would be, you know, sometimes the book club itself was a sisterhood mm-hmm. or, be, you know, at the hair salon, we get together and we go once a month, me and my, my knitting circle, we get together. And I realized black men don't really have the same kind of circle. You know, my mm-hmm. sons, I use them as examples a lot. So my ex-husband and I divorced. And so now when my sons go and hang out with their dad, they be fronting, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, um, how's everything going? Oh, great. Just bought the new car. Just got a promotion. Yeah, I'm dating a girl. They're not talking about the colonoscopy, the, the, the write-up they got at the job. They're not talking about the disappointment that they didn't get the job that they wanted. You know, because I think when men get around each other, there's this bravado of, you know, I got it all under control. You know, I, I got this. Mm-hmm. And they don't really got it. hear the truth mm-hmm. of their fears and their hopes and their all of that so the goal when I started writing this book was to dig into the psyche of black men and to uh try to get them to realize that a lot of their uh actions are rooted in guilt shame frustration unaddressed childhood traumas and things like that so I start off writing about the the mothers Mercy and Lennox 
and they're two sisters who are raising uh, black boys side by side in the 80s. So it starts off in the crack epidemic and then the sisters choices lead their lives down a particular path and the story shifts to the point of view of their sons. Mm-hmm. And it's in that second half of the story, the cousins are really living in the uh, wake of their mother's decisions. And in the end, I think they have a very poignant conversation that when I wrote it, I cried while writing it because mm-hmm. I felt like if if more brothers could have these kind of conversations of, you know, I, I missed out on not having my father. Or, you know, I wish that I didn't disappoint my mother. mother. Like there's not really too many venues where they feel safe to say that without being called a punk or man up, you know, it starts Mm -hmm. in childhood. A little girl falls down. We pick her up. Oh, baby, what happened? Little boy falls down. We tell him, stop crying. You ain't no punk man up. Mm-hmm. But what does he do with that? You know, right. what does he do with that anger, the frustration, et cetera? So that's what Holy right. Jesus is about. It's about family ties and Black male pain, trauma, and triumph. Mm-hmm. And oh, I like that you said that because I feel like as a community, we don't make that space available for Black men mm-hmm. to be sensitive or have a feminine side without saying like, they're always, you got to be gay. Exactly. Right, right. Exactly. I had a conversation recently with some girlfriends of mine. Girlfriend of mine has been in a marriage for 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. And the conversation turned to, you know, do you allow your man to cry? And she said if, if she came home and she looked over and she saw her man crying, and she's like, you know, what is he, a punk? And I just thought that was so ironic. There was a brother there and he mm-hmm. said, well, you know, you're supposed to be his backbone. Go over there, ask him what's wrong. Cry with him. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and I, I just wish that there was, like you said, more of a space for vulnerability in our brothers. I don't think we allow for much of that. Mm-hmm. And, and, right. then, and then when they do, sometimes if you with the wrong woman, she go throw it back in your face. And then exactly. he, will, he will never do that again. It's, it's, it's grown men in their 30s and 40s holding things against Old women from, from kindergarten. From, from their childhood. Yeah. 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 And then me and my boyfriend talk about this all the time. Yes. Because with our homegirls, we be like, they be like, oh, we can't find a man this, that, and the third. Or this guy's a dog. He does this and he does that. And we right. were like, look, all it takes a man is one time for a woman to break his heart. Mm-hmm. And he's going to remember and that for the rest is. of his life. Exactly. And every woman is like, oh, she ain't shit. She a bitch. Right. She, right. You know, I don't trust him. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so true, Casey. Yeah. 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 Well, when my son falls, I pick him up and console him and pat him and all that stuff. But my fear is that when he gets out into the world he won't get that same type of yeah you know treatment so I feel like I still have to prepare him for that but not like you know putting him down like oh you're a punk or don't cry and stuff like that so I'm trying to navigate through that that. I speak about that in the story there's a character Judah who is not um gangster he's he goes Mm -hmm. to school he he just wants to do the right thing and come home but he's mm-hmm. constantly challenged in the name yes you know yes. constantly challenged by you know other boys you know what to to challenge his manhood and mm-hmm. it gets to a point where you start to believe yourself to be a coward right 
when mm-hmm. it, it, it takes more courage to stand against the tide than mm-hmm. it does to follow it. So, you know, it's just, and it, you know, there's a point in the story where my son read it and he came to me and he said, Ma, you know, thank you. Because I felt like that before. Mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. recognized that. And then what are we supposed to do in situations like that? So it got us talking, you know? Right, right. And I think those are the conversations that we really need to have in our community more often. Right, right. Because unfortunately, I can't go beat somebody up every time. Like, I would like to do that. But... Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of girl? Scary, girl so I know you don't play those games when it comes to the babies. <laughs> No. <laughs> well, Kiki, call me when your arms get tired. I'll step in for you and fight. Listen. <laughs> I, or I'll send Ari over there. Ari be like, which, which one? Oh. Right, right. Like, who did it? And where the parents at? <laughs> right. But um, single Black female will take us into March. Yes. And if life happens, maybe April. But okay. we are definitely looking forward to reading it. It's a bi-weekly podcast, so we read and we give two weeks to read more, and then we go okay. over it. So if you want to uh, catch it, I post it um, up, like, next day. I edit it, and I post it up next day, and it's on okay. the podcast app. Any podcast app you can find, so what page you on, Bid. And, awesome. um, Love yeah. the name. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Who came <laughs> up with it? Casey, it, it wasn't me <laughs> because it, it, it became like this thing where I would be like the main one like okay Chantal's gonna have this she's gonna have that she's gonna I have love that. it so Casey be like so what page are you on bitch <laughs> I far the right. most creative name I've heard so <laughs> I was like oh they could sign me up for that I'm, I'm definitely gonna <laughs> But thank you so much for coming on here. And I hope yeah, you have thank you. back in. As you talk about it, I'll be back to, to discuss the plot with you guys. I can't wait for you to sink your teeth into these. Yeah. Okay. This was yes. fine. I yeah. can't wait. Thank you thank so you. much. Thank you thank so much, Tracy. We really appreciate you. Yes. I, guys, I love you guys. I appreciate your energy and your support and all of that. Thank you for having me. You are thank welcome. You for having us. You have a thank great you. night. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye. Good night.